now arriving downtown Santa Monica Station. Hey Adam, it's time for Notes on Your Notes. I'm Adam Lesser. And I'm Joshua Townsend Zellner. Welcome to Notes on Your Notes, the podcast about storytelling and the creative process. Joshua Townsend Zellner is back from I'm Hollyhock. Back. I had a great time at Hollyhock. Amazing people were there. And I appreciate what you just did, Adam. You mixed it up. You said it's a, it's a podcast about storytelling and the creative process. Yeah. I love that. You just like... My brain <laughs> got scrambled, apparently. I wasn't my usual linear self. <laughs> Oh, it's so good to like break out of the box and do something different. So speaking of doing something different, um, just quickly for our listeners, how was Hollyhock? Yes. Hollyhock, for those who don't know, is a beautiful retreat center on Cortez Island in Canada. Yes, um, I crossed over the border and the, the Canadian government was very supportive. So I appreciate that. So thank you, Canadian government. And um it was a spectacular uh, time there. Uh, I was blessed to be able to see Anne Randolph there because she had just finished wrapping up her retreat. So we got to hang out a little bit. Um, I, the first night I had a beautiful ocean view from my room and that was insane. Um, and then after that I got to work, you know, because it was uh, a five-dayer and it was really intense. We, we moved a lot of energy. We got a lot of creativity going. Uh, there's a lot of simpatico energy, and people had breakthroughs. Was and there the, a couple highlights? Well, the, everyone did amazing work in their last monologue. Uh, so basically, what we do is there's a bunch of layers to this because that's how I that's how I roll, man. I roll with layers. Um, but a bunch of work around uh, finding out who you are and what your essence and what what themes keep rolling and coming back. And I have, I have clever, tricky, fun ways of getting that information and concretizing it. And then at the end, I have everyone do a story um, where uh, they, instead of write, oh, wow, this is what we were talking about, that instead of, instead of having them actually write it with words, I have them write it like they did in the caveman days on the cave walls with the hunt and the symbols. And oh, so they wow. write out a story with symbols, and they use that as their script in order to enter the story. I love it. I love yeah. it. Get them out of language towards something more visual. Yeah, and it's, it's, an, and it's their life, it's their icon, it's their symbol. And so uh, I'll never forget one lady, I think it was a lady, but she had this huge black bold um, diagonal stripe you know, separating these two things. I'm like, whoa. And this other lady had this amazing arrow. You know, it was a big dark black arrow with a, with a very strong definitive direction. And I, it's, it's, like, it's like that kind of artwork or symbol or meaning or however you want to say that. If I do that, it's going to stimulate something inside of me. So when I go to tell my share my story, it's going to elicit that kind of response. It's so different than saying direct or, you know? Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's part of what was well, welcome part of back. What went on. That sounds amazing. Thank you, Doctor. Jealous. I should have been there. 
yeah, but you know, some of us have to be in Hawaii. You know, they just, you know, it's just a thing, right? How, yeah. How's, and, and you're rapping pretty soon. How, how is your creative, um, uh, what should we call this? Creative, what? Exploration? Yeah, my creative Hawaii? exploration of uh, living in Kauai for a few months. Uh, hmm. I'm enormously grateful just to swim and be here and with the fact that we live in a time where I can do this with my life. I can go to Kauai and be in nature and writing and creative. We've got a show this Sunday, 7 p.m., mm -hmm. Church of the really? Pacific, for anyone mm -hmm. listening in Kauai. Uh, oh, my gosh. It's a storytelling show. I will be on stage telling two stories, one about family and I think one about sex. And Well, they're uh, kind of like, well, well, first one, then comes the other, right? It's first, you know, story yeah, about sex. Exactly. And, and, I was wondering what joke you were going to make because it's so creepy. That's <laughs> not a joke. That's reality. I mean, if you want to have a family, the precursor to that is, you know. Yeah. 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 You got to procreate. Well, uh, Anne, the wonderful Anne Randolph will be on stage. Uh, enormous gratitude to her. Ali Stinchfield, Ibby White, Josh Haroldson, and Deborah oh my gosh. Silverman. Oh, so, so it's, a, it's, a, it's a whole, it's an all-star cast. So all are you guys, are you going to be Facebook living it or IGing it or? Oof. I'm going to have to talk to my Oof. fellow performers about whether this is uh, Facebookable. But uh, if you're in Kauai and you want to come, you should absolutely come. 7 p.m. Church of the Pacific this Sunday, July 21st. Good seating still available? Uh, there are, there are, it's going to be tickets at the door, but we okay. will squeeze you in. We can get a lot of people into that church. Okay, and then are you guys still on for the 10 o'clock show that's topless, or is that, are you guys still going to do that, or? Uh, yeah, but it's bottomless. <laughs> it's bottomless, too. Oh, oh I see. So it's, it's like the mimosas. They're it's called, bottomless. It's a new night. Uh, we were going to do goat storytelling and goat improv, but now we just went with naked storytelling. No one's allowed to wear clothes. You know, all of a sudden, Hawaiian Airlines is getting a lot of, you know, like, you know, rush for tickets to, to, to fly to uh, Kauai this, this Sunday. That's weird. Five nonstops a day from L.A., friends. Five nonstops. <laughs> you can also that was like the best news when I came here. I, I was like, you know, there are five nonstops a day from L.A. <laughs> wow. That's just from Kauai. L.A. That's just, just from, from L.A. L.A. Kauai. That's insane. All day. I, I thought I was going to have to fly via Honolulu. I was wrong. Yeah, that's that's when, and then there's inner island flights that if someone's like on Big Island or Honolulu and they wanted to come over and see, you know, your show, you, they could. That absolutely could. I'm always I'm always surprised how I think it's about a 38 minute flight from Honolulu to to Lahui. Uh, it's interesting. In my three months here, I have not left Kauai. I've really just been on the island, but nice. Uh, I haven't had a huge desire to be elsewhere, but mm -hmm. I hear there's some other beautiful spots in this the seven <laughs> islands. You know where I want to go? I kind of want to go to Nihau. Okay, and what island is that on? That's the one that no one is allowed to go to. Oh, great. That, well, <laughs> there, there's Molokai. There's Molokai. No, and there's Molokai, and then there's Lanai, which I believe Larry Allison owns most of. Then there's Nihau, which is owned by the Scottish family and has owned it for like 100 years. Oh. And it's just a small population of local Hawaiians, and then basically no one goes in or out. Uh, you can't you can't just go there. You're not really allowed on the island unless you're invited. And so I would imagine it's either by charter or by some small boat or something then is how you get there? I would love to know more. I think there was a short documentary about it um, that was made. But, you know, my understanding is that the first 
you know, 25 yards or so of, of coastline are legally the public. So I guess theoretically you could beach and hang out on the beach and then leave. But I think that this family literally owns the entire island. And they were, uh, I think one of the things they've tried to do, from what I understand, is preserve it mm-hmm. for the Hawaiians mm-hmm. so that they could live some version of what they used to live. Um, but it's interesting. I didn't realize this until I went to Maine. There are islands off the coast of Maine that are pretty sizable that are owned by private individuals. Mm-hmm. And oh, that are owned by private individuals. Literally, that, and they're, they're U.S. territory, and you can't go to them. Because they're... John Malone, who... I could be wrong. John Malone, I think, who runs Liberty Media, at one point owned one of those islands. And they're just... Those islands off the coast of Maine are so beautiful. But I had a family friend who owned a very, very small one. Yeah off the coast and it's incredible go go have your own island yeah but it, it's a small island oh well it was it's pretty cool but they had nothing they just put out like a tent you would sleep in a tent out there and oh, that's cool hang out and they had a little fire pit and cook dinner and they had they had a little dinghy you could go back to shore if you wanted maybe picnic you know picnic yeah well uh, pretty cold in the winter yeah. island off the coast of maine it's no joke yeah Speaking of uh, meet my attraction to islands and Josh's repulsion for the winter, we might ask, Seamless. what does it say about our characters? Seamless, Adam. Never even noticed it. How it's you, like watching a, ba- a ballerina. <laughs> How you slipped in today's theme. Amazing. Attraction and repulsion. I cannot get enough of that. So, he, so, so here's the thing. Josh laid out. Yeah, I'm going to lay it out for us because I, I, you know, I, I work with a lot of people. I did the retreats. Uh, some other stuff is coming up. And first of all, one of my jobs, one of my jobs is to get people to get out of the middle and, and push to the edges. And um, one of the most concrete and easily accessible uh, tools to work with is attraction repulsion. And what does that look like? That looks like really committing to either really loving or really hating something. And when I say something, I mean a person, a place, or a thing. And through that emotional charge of either highly positive or highly negative, you're going to have some room, you, the creator, meaning the writer, the actor, performer, you're going to have some room to navigate away from it and then perhaps back to that same person, place, or thing. So I just I just shared it in like the most broad strokes, but the most um, what's the word definitive. So here's the example. Okay. Wizard of Oz, Dorothy. At the beginning of the narrative, she is attracted or repulsed by Kansas. She's repulsed by Kansas. Okay. Wants to leave Kansas. Got to get out of here somewhere over the rainbow. The rainbow. So she's committed to getting, oh, in fact, in fact, she even leaves. You know, she, she's trying to run away when the, when the storm comes. That's right. I forgot about that. So she's 100% committed. She's so repulsed. She has to get out. The other thing I, I was remembering about her also the other day was that she's an orphan. She's not being raised by her biological mom and dad. I thought that was an interesting choice. Anyway, so then halfway so then she lands in oz and then her whole thing is about getting back home and at the end of the narrative the whole thing is i want to go home there's no place like home there's no, pl- there's no place like home yeah and then tap your heels together three times and you'll you know, magically be transported back home and then she loves being back home so that's a that's a wonderful example of how the character has a change has a shift in relationship to a, a place 
It could also be a person. It could also be a thing. Uh, and uh, and that, sh- that illustrates show, don't tell. That shows her transformational process uh, and her relationship with home. And it's done by attraction repulsion. Absolutely. And what I like about this example is that in film and story, some writers are actually going for character transformation. Mm -hmm. Not all are. Action movies, typically, there's not much character transformation for the main character. And in a a story like Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz, what she's attracted to and repulsed is going to be a reflection of how her internal emotional shift has occurred. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So she's gone on this journey and she now knows who she is in the world and who she needs to be. And she, her character has been trained. She has courage now, and she's she's been healed. Mm-hmm. Um, you see this in rom coms a lot. Oh, tell me about that. So, for example, when Harry met Sally. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. So Sally's character is always repulsed by Harry's um, womanizing, and his, uh, you know, his sort of attitude, mm-hmm. right? But they become deep friends, and. She remains consistent. She's always repulsed by it when she perceives his unwillingness to grow up, right? She doesn't really change. Except for, except for Harry's that one night. Except for that one night where she, you know, he gets a little a little action, right? She she softens. She was she was vulnerable. She was vulnerable. Night. She was crying. Yeah. Okay. She was crying. But Harry Harry's journey, and this is typical of like normative rom coms where it's based from the male perspective and it's about a man transforming. Um, which has sort of changed like Bridesmaids would be a rom-com from the other direction Mm -hmm. Um, and so but usually always the main character whether it's male or female in a romantic comedy whether and increasingly now we have more romantic comedies told from the perspective of a female they're the one who has to change Mm -hmm. that person leading and Harry changes to the point where he is ready to open his heart to settle down to connect on an emotional Mm -hmm. level with Sally and it's at that point that his uh, attraction and repulsion changes. So he had been repulsed by this linear Sally who mm-hmm. wanted to like lock him down and get him into this relationship. And then she had made jokes about it. And by the end, he sort of is making jokes about it, but in a sweet way, because his heart is open and he's committed. Yes. It's actually interesting, the final scene in that movie where they're being interviewed, the way Rob Reiner had that idea um, to do the the couples that had been together talking about their marriage. The final one is Harry and Sally, and he talks about her meticulousness, I believe, with the wedding mm-hmm. cake. And through at the opening of the, of the the movie, the whole setup, the jokes had been like, he had been so put off by how crazy and anal mm-hmm. she was and meticulous. And in that final scene, you kind of see him laughing at it a little oh. bit. And it's because his attraction and repulsion has changed because his character has changed. Yes, yes. And so, but this extends for you, Joshua, to, to everything, to people, to places, to objects, those are the, because they are all telling us about those character, Those are the right? only three things that we have to use. We have people, places, and things. And then we generate thoughts and feelings from these people, places, and things in terms of our perspective in which we see them from in that moment. And that begins the, the, the transformation. So there always has to be some sort of misbehavior at the beginning. So misbehavior for a guy in a rom-com is he most likely has a closed heart. Right. And 
in terms of objects, which are a little bit more subtle, but like you might have a character who's absolutely in love with classic cars. Yeah, great example. And attracted yep. to those. Um, there have been so many movies based like Days of Thunder and all that stuff about cars and stuff like that. But objects in their world really tell us about character, right? Like, you know, like so remember that classic film, Harold and Maud? The guy actually creates this really cool jag. It makes it look like a hearse. And at the end of it, he drives it off the thing, off the cliff, and, it, and, it's, and it's, it's ruined forever. Um, if you want to go to real life, using a car, your car example, um, that guy who did, uh, 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 what's that, Fast and the Furious movies? Fast and the Furious movies? Yeah, yeah and, the, and the other guy. There's a huge attraction to cars. And then in real life, how is the guy killed? In a car. Attra- attraction repulsion. Yeah, and even just think about it like in basic terms of building characters, like what kind of character is attracted to an SUV <laughs> versus the one who wants to drive an yeah. electric car? Right. Right? Like those are things. And that, you know, the guy who's a tr- who wants to drive an electric car is probably repulsed by an SUV. Right? Like often, often that works. Like that level of detail will tell you sort of a little bit clues to who the character is, even if you're just framing where this person comes I, from. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say yes to that, too. I'm going to say at the beginning of the narrative in the uh, rom-com is the guy's all about sports cars, and at the end of it, you see him going to a dealership to pick up the next latest um, SUV, you know, soccer mom car, you know? Mm-hmm. So that would, that would show his transformation, because you can use the, uh, the object to show the transformation. That's right. Uh, we see this in movies a lot around mm-hmm, money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like movies set on Wall Street or movies that deal with class. You see attraction and repulsion around whatever they're dreamed for, the apartment on Fifth Avenue versus maybe where they're from, where they're repulsed mm-hmm. by the poor housing project. You know, like all those sorts of, you know, because part of repulsion is often shame, mm-hmm. embarrassment, um, not wanting to be associated Anything with something. that carries a very strong positive or negative charge has the opportunity to be transformed through the crucible of the narrative. So in terms of writers, storytellers integrating this into their storytelling, what would you recommend? Like, do you think that, do you actually think it's valuable to sit down with your character and investigate in their biography, what they've become attracted to and repulsed by in their life, and to understand that so you understand their character. Whether, and you know, a lot of it's like types in the opposite sex. You know, like types of men that women are attracted to versus repulsed yeah, by. Yeah, that's a, what you're saying. Particularly when it runs against type, when it becomes really interesting. Oh, she's a, attracted to manipulating womanizer, womanizing men. Like, what's that about? You know, then it becomes really interesting. When the attraction is unhealthy, that's a really interesting starting place for usually a lot of narrative. Yes, just like in life. <laughs> but yes. Except in life, Josh, it never changes. Well, and that's why we go see the narrative. Just, just because we want to see it acted out in front of us that gives us hope or it gives us an inkling of what could be. And that's yeah. why we're inexplicably drawn to story because we want to learn from it, we want to grow from it. Otherwise, we don't, you know, it can be a very dull process of life if we have no hope for change. Be, be the change. So yeah. So if you're working on a narrative, it would flow both ways. So if 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 the guy's a committed bachelor, let's just use that, then maybe he is uh, would only buy a two seater sports car. 
and he only has that he he populates you know we talked about this before but really at the beginning at the at the top of the narrative look at what populates the character's life and then at the end of the narrative look at what populates the character's life and if and if the yeah, and if the objects don't change then their relationship to the object needs to change that's right i just felt like i felt like we did really you know, condensed often, work today adam that was amazing we really impressed <laughs> it we, we know that no one has time anymore and we're really trying to give you the best 20 minutes of your life we're going to give you the best 20 minutes of your life in like 17 minutes because that's just how we roll that's just how we roll but if you want more of the episodes go to notesonyournotes.com or subscribe wherever you get it uh, the Apple, Apple Podcast Google Play I'm going to give a shout out to Overcast which is my most recent app that I love to listen oh. to podcasts on Overcast like us on the Facebook page and the Instagram page. Josh is always posting their updates. And also we put out the links to the latest show on Facebook. And you can get updates about Josh's and I's future teaching opportunities. Uh, you've got one coming up. Do you not? I do. I have one coming up at the Beautiful uh, Soul of Yoga. I'm a guest teacher there on Monday night, August 5th. I believe it's 7 o'clock. Check the Facebook um, page to make sure of the time. And you can get the address there. Uh, and it's a really sweet space. Beautiful yoga studio. The class is super inexpensive, and we're going to do some deep embodiment work, a lot of somatic work, so we can tap into another energy when we write. It'll be fantastic. And I also want to remind everyone, save that date. Mid-October, uh, mid we're having our second year anniversary. You and me, Adam. And, and two, yeah. two years. We're almost going to we're gonna hit 100 yeah. episodes. Yep. Uh, keep, in, keep that in mind. We'll have a, a show, a storytelling show for Notes on Your Notes, our anniversary party, which will be in October. And for those of you interested in taking Josh's August 5th workshop, it is in Encinitas, which is right near San Diego, in San Diego. If not. The sound on today's show is courtesy of Kevin McLeod, and the editing is courtesy of me. We'll talk to you next week. 